0: And welcome back to Building a Life You Love. This is your host, Kristen, and I am so excited. I have a special treat today. My guest and I are gonna talk about how we can be happy in our lives. We're gonna talk about happiness science and what are the actionable things we can do, the steps we can take to increase our happiness I cannot wait to share this with you. So let's dive in. We are going to have so many good conversations this year. We are going to talk about stepping into an abundant life and business that God has called us into. For some of us, it might just be our lives. For some, it might be that we also are being prompted to uh, step into a business or ministry, whatever it might be, because that really gives us a life of freedom, right? Flexibility around our families. And being able to step into what our true purpose is. So I cannot wait for the season. We're going to have great guests. I'm going to have great information for you. Hi, today on the show, I would like to welcome Katie Jeffcoat. She is the host of Everyday Happiness, a daily micro podcast. She's a happiness curator, kindness crusader, a speaker and author. She fundamentally believes we deserve to make time for our priorities. As a happiness curator, Katie distills happiness science into bite-sized nuggets for her audience. She's obsessed with the idea that kindness is contagious and spreading kindness. Katie is especially fond of kindness cards, her brand of happy mail. I'm so excited to welcome Katie to the show today. Welcome, Katie. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Oh, I cannot wait for this conversation because we align so much on our idea that people should be able to build their lives, they should be able to curate their lives around things that bring them joy, things that bring them happiness. And that people should be able to live a life that feels good and that makes them have purpose in their lives. So I'm excited to bring you on the show and let you share even more about happiness science with us. So I cannot wait to share this conversation when it's released.
1: Well, I am excited to jump right in because there is so much goodness. We've had the best little chat before we hit record
0: and I'm here for it. I love it. I love it. Okay, first, could you start off with just sharing a little bit about your backstory and then how you got into this and what things look like now for you?
1: Yeah, well, you know, like most of us,
0: the road was with
1: seeing and turning, as you can imagine. So I have an interesting, you know, I, it came about this in a unique way because I grew up in a town of 2006 people in the middle of a cornfield in Minnesota. And I thought the only way out was to become a lawyer. So I thought I could make money. I couldn't be a doctor. And so I knew that I couldn't do that because I don't like to touch people and blood makes me (laughs) gag. So I thought being a lawyer was it. And I was seven years old and I decided. And I was on the straight and narrow path to doing that my entire adolescence. And I uh, went through law school, became a lawyer in Washington, D.C. at one of the largest law firms in the world. And did that for a number of years, had babies, took a break, and then COVID hit. So this is literally like 20 seconds of, you know, 35 40 years of life. Uh but you know, we all remember the early days of the pandemic and how how hard it was. And I had always um been somebody that had a glass was half full. I always was able to identify my priorities, what lit my hair on fire, how I kept that in my margin, which we can talk about. But what happened during the pandemic is I was just doom scrolling the early weeks. Uh Whether that was social media, news articles, I couldn't get out of my own way. I was watching every press conference. I, like most of us, were nervous. We were scared. The anxiety became crippling. I felt like I had no control. And that was really hard for someone like me, who has spent a lot of my life being in control, at least of something. So, I I spent some time, months, really in this place of anxiety and like, what the heck is happening? The world feels like a dumpster fire, uh, not only the pandemic, but all of the other things now that we know of, whether it's wars and global warming and politics and like, it just felt so heavy. And I decided like, I can't do this. Like, this is, this is not my life. This is not how I have to show up. I've got these kids, we're homeschooling, all the things. So I started researching happiness science. And Because I was a lawyer, I felt like I needed proof. Like, what really does make you happy? How do you prove it? And that's where the science came in. Because, you know, there's you can read a meme on Facebook. You can watch a rom-com and feel happy. But that wasn't fulfilling. That wasn't giving me that ultimate fulfilling happiness. Right. So I dove into the science. And I started reading scientific journals. and listening to podcasts from scientists, from Yale to Harvard, from Canada to Australia, right? Just really understanding what, what, where can you make the change? What part of happiness, what part of us can we make the change to scientifically boost our happiness? And I became obsessed with that, which was so much fun because I needed it. And I started sharing it with my friends like little bits. Every time we get on our Zoom coffees and our Zoom happy hours and our Zoom meetings, like we were doing back then, right? And I would share it. And one day, one of my girlfriends, Jenna Edwards, she said, you're going to write a podcast and you're going to do it every single day for two minutes. And you're going to put it on Amazon Alexa. So like anytime somebody says, Alexa, play my flash briefings, your two minutes of happiness is going to come up and it's going to be amazing. I was like, okay, I could do that two minutes. And so that's how it was born. It started in, I think, June-ish of 2020. And we're 600 and some episodes in. And we're just, you know, loving it and crushing it. And it's evolved, right, to kindness. Like, why does kindness matter? And I just curate the content that I am absorbing in like Mm -hmm. bite-sized nuggets. So it's easy to understand because it felt like a lot when I was trying to You know, think of it myself and try to really understand. I was like, well, this isn't fun for anybody. No wonder why nobody cares about happiness science. It feels like your
0: brain's going to explode. So
1: now we do it in a different way.
0: Oh, I love it. I love everything about that one. Yes. We've all, I mean, it's one of the first things, at least for a lot of us in this, in our lifetime, where we all went through the same thing at the same time, you know, globally, you know, and so one, we all relate to all those feelings you were having, you know, at different levels, right? Depends kind of on your work and where you lived, maybe. But the fact that then you dug in and your friend said that to you and you're like, yep, I can do that. And then you did like you were willing. To, so even though we're more talking about happiness and kindness, say, I love that, you know, because on the show, a lot, I talk about that, that you were willing just to take the next step. You didn't know what would be the outcome. You just knew, you know what, you're right. Like I have information that I've learned that I think, my friends said they appreciated it helped them. It might help other people. So I'm just going to try it. I'm just going to show up and do it. And I love that because so many times I'm trying to share with my audience that that's the whole point is just be willing to take that one baby step. And then the next step. And so I love, 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 love that you shared that. Yeah, it's been really fun.
1: And, you know, the next best step, that's what I always think of. And what I even tell my kids, like, what's the next best step? That's all we need to do.
0: That's right, oh, I love it. So why don't you first share with us a little bit? Just maybe let's start with as we dig into this happiness, you know, like the happiness science, maybe what's the first overarching thing you just want to share with the audience about what you've learned, you know, and how like you said, how do we scientifically boost our happiness? how do we find fulfillment in happiness?
1: Yeah, well happiness uh can be kind of elusive, like everyone has their own definition, so. I'm going to give you some concrete stuff, and then I'm going to share with you some definitions that most of the scientists agree on. And then we'll have a framework as to where we can dive in, because this is really where the magic is. It's so much fun. So happiness, generally speaking, is about 50% genetics. Your DNA actually determines about 50% of how happy you're going to be, like how you kind of fall on the glasses half full, like how, how you go about in the world and then 25% is circumstantial. What's happening to you? Did, you know, something bad happen? Are you ill? Are you injured? Uh, you know, all those things, right? Circumstantial. And within that circumstantial section, you can choose to look at it like the silver lining. Mm-hmm. So that's part of it, right? And so then we get to the last 25%, and that's the part that is really in your control. So there's Definitely 25% that is in your control where you get to actually boost your happiness. If we're talking about a pendulum, you get to sway it a little bit one way or the other. And that circumstantial section, you you get to manipulate a little bit depending on your mindset, right? So maybe you can get even a little bit higher than that. But that's really where we're at. We're at this 25%. But then if you start to think about what is happiness. Most scientists seem to agree that happiness is really two prompts. So we have the happiness in emotions, right? We, this mm-hmm. is the joy that we feel, the contentment, the positive well-being. Uh, you know, it's the life is good, meaningful. It's the uh, I got a great parking spot. It's I got an A on a test. It's I got a card in the mail. It's this like little boost of happiness, right? This is the emotion side. But then there's this other side, this other part of happiness where really the magic is. And this is where you can make the biggest difference in your own fulfilled happiness. And that is purpose Mm -hmm. and satisfaction. So purpose is how you feel when you're doing the thing you love. Mm -hmm. This can be academic research, your work building a business, being involved in the community, being a parent, knitting, so much, right? Mm -hmm. The purpose is how you feel when you're doing the thing that you love. And Arthur Brooks, who is a uh, happiness scientist in, in this field, he also writes a column for The Atlantic and he has a podcast. He says that long lasting happiness comes from human connection and productive work so it's doing the thing that you love. He found in his scientific research that it was overwhelmingly clear that a productive human endeavor creates a sense of purpose in your life. And that is something that you can control. And then the second part is satisfaction. So what is satisfaction? It's simple. Satisfaction is what what you have more than what you want. So it's an equation. So it's, I want to appreciate what I have more than pining for what I want. So that's tricky, especially as humans, because many of us think that we'll be more satisfied, happier even, if we get more of what we want. However, there's this scientific theory called hedonic adaptation. And what that tells us is that we get comfortable with what we have. And so we always want more. Mm -hmm. So satisfaction can be really elusive. And it doesn't last with that mentality of wanting more. It's like running on a treadmill and you're never getting to the destination. So it's basically impossible to get more, to be happier Mm long-term. It's impossible. The more that you want, the less happy you will be. And we see this all the time, right? The bigger house, the bigger car, the newer car, the fancy shoes, the handbag, the, you know, Lululemon yoga pants. You don't, whatever it is, like we see it all the time. Yeah. So satisfaction really is, uh. This is where like gratitude comes in and appreciation and all that. It's really this equation of wanting what you have more than wanting what you want. So it's not that you don't want things. It's just really having what you want, like having appreciation for what you have. Right. So that
0: is, you know, that's where all the magic is. Hmm. That's so good. There was so much in there for sure. Oh my gosh. So, okay. So you learned all this stuff you share, you know, the the nuggets on your um, micro podcast, but what, so from there, how do we start trying to make these changes, right? For some of us, maybe we're already doing, you know, some of these things, but where have you found that people are struggling so much to, to have this happiness and this joy? Like you told us the background and the definitions But in actually applying it to our own lives to make that shift of that 25% or the 25% and then the um how we our mindset around the um our circumstances. So how do we actually start implementing these things? Yeah, well
1: that takes intention and Mm -hmm. effort. So you don't get to be happy by osmosis, right? You have to do something, you have to, you know, have some intention, you have to make some effort. Mm-hmm. and how and how this shakes out. I have this uh blog I have this blog post. It's free on my website katiejeffcoat.com. It's the blog post is called something like um what the list of amazing habits doesn't tell you how it doesn't work for you when it comes to happiness something like that. You'll find it. It's in January 2023. But what that is is this concept that I've been working on called happiness soup. So mm-hmm. this is the thing, friends everybody makes soup a different way. My family in Minnesota, when they make chicken soup, they might put noodles in it. When my in-laws in Mississippi make chicken soup, they might put rice in it, right? Everyone has different ingredients on how they make their soup. Some people use dark meat, some people use white meat, some people do a vegetarian soup, right? Some people put carrots, some people put peas. The idea is that everybody makes their soup a different way and that's exactly what we should be thinking about when we're making our own happiness recipe. I'm going to share with you a ton of ingredients and I'll share them with you today so you can either get your note notepad and write them all down or you can go to my website and read it all on the blog and print it out if you want. But the idea is that there is no one size fits all and I'm so sick of thought leaders coming on and saying this is the key to success because it's just crazy. It's 100% not true. It does not work and if they're telling you that they're lying because everybody is different. The other thing is that everybody is different in a different season. So in the season right now, I want my suit to look one way, but maybe next season, I want my suit to look a different way. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Like we're all going through seasons. I'm a parent. Summertime looks different than school year. Christmas looks different than March. Like, it's just different. Like Mm -hmm. let's give ourselves some grace.
0: Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm.
1: So. Uh, The happiness soup is simple. The first thing that the science will tell you is that practicing gratitude boosts happiness.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Now, I sometimes say appreciation versus gratitude because I think gratitude is overplayed and it doesn't really tell you what you should be feeling. And of course, you're like, grateful for the house you live in. But you probably worked hard and have to pay the mortgage. So it's not like it fell out of the sky and you were just like given it. So gratitude just feels so funny to me sometimes. So I think it's semantics, appreciation and gratitude. So if gratitude isn't for you, friend, that's okay. Maybe appreciation is a better word. They're basically the same in this like context, right? So that could look a lot, of di- a lot of different ways. If you were to tell me to write in a gratitude journal, I'd want to poke my eyes out and I wouldn't read anything else. I wouldn't do anything else. It's not for me. It's not what I do. It's, I, love, appre- I love and appreciate and feel grateful for lots of things. Writing it down in a gratitude journal is not for me. So friend, if that's not for you, I got some other ideas. It's just practicing gratitude. It's this is mindset thing. So you could think of two things you're grateful for while you're brushing your teeth. Maybe that's your gratitude. You could keep a gratitude note jar. You could take a bunch of colored sticky notes and write a gratitude in your note jar and watch it get, you know, fill up. That's super fun. You right. could, you yeah. know, send a thank you card. Like what And you know, what an idea. Send a card in the mail to someone and be like, hey, just thinking of you. I'm really grateful for your friendship. Or I heard you were having a bad week. Know that, you know, I'm in your corner, right? Yeah. Any of those things. You could take a gratitude walk. And you could think of all of the things you're grateful for as you're walking down the street or the path or whatever. So that's number one, gratitude, appreciation. That's one of your ingredients. How you prepare that ingredient is up to you. It's just like soup, right? Some people steam their veggies before they put them in and some people put frozen veggies in. Like, you just got to
0: decide what, what works for you. Yeah. You know? Absolutely.
1: So, yeah, like, this is not rocket science. Like we can all handle this. So the second ingredient, uh, part of the recipe would be performing random acts of kindness. Mm-hmm. So there is all of this science around how kindness not only boosts your, um, serotonin and dopamine chemical reactions in your mm-hmm. body. You just can't, uh, you have no control over, but also like, it's great for somebody else because if somebody, if you're nice to somebody, they don't like go home and kick their dog. They're like, oh, that was so nice. They like do something nice for someone else. It's like a ripple effect. Can't help it. So you can perform just random acts of kindness. It can really be anything from giving to a charity or volunteering, right? $5 even is, doesn't have to be like a massive amount of money or anything like that. It's just the act of, uh, you can open the door for someone. You know, it's surprising how good it feels when someone opens the door for you. Yeah. You know, right. Um, you could help someone carry in their groceries. You could send a card. You know, all of these things like performing a random act of kindness. There's a million things you could do. Yeah. Somebody drops something right next to you. You pick it up for them. Uh, the third ingredient in this recipe is getting out to exercise. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't love exercise. In fact, I always tell people if you see me running, you should call nine one one because somebody is chasing me there's no way I'm running for fun. So exercise really kind of it got me. You know, like I'm doing this work too, right? We're all doing this work together. Exercise size, the science says it works even in the winter, even when it feels heavy and gloomy. But I was like, oh I don't know how I'm gonna add this ingredient to my soup. But the thing is there's so many ways to get exercise. So the one I love the most is dancing around the house. I love to turn up the music and dance around the house. There's yeah. so many fun songs out, like so much fun. You could also just go for a walk, right? I uh, love going for a walk with my husband. It gives us time to take a deep breath, connect, like going for a walk. Uh, you could play tennis. I used to play tennis. I haven't in a really long time, but I used to play tennis a lot. And it was one of those things where I could actually be in the moment because I was so afraid, like, if I don't follow that ball, it's going to hit me in the face. So I was really paying attention, right? Mm-hmm. So it could be that if you're practicing yoga, stretching, exercise, just use yeah. your body. And then the fourth ingredient in our recipe is one of my favorites, building social bonds. Mm-hmm. So the bonds that we create in life are so important and they're so impactful. and The research is so clear that social connection matters for our happiness. It just does. So part of it is building social bonds with people that you want to hang out with, like, you know, that actually lift you up and that aren't like energy vampires, but it's building those social bonds. What does that look like? That could look like calling a parent or a sibling or a friend once a week, right? Continuing to build that social bond. It could be a monthly coffee date with a friend. It could be date night with your spouse or one of your kids or booking a trip with a friend or family. Like it could be so many things. Taking extra time with your kids. Maybe it's, you know, two bedtime stories at night, you know, building that social bond, whatever that looks like. Building social bonds, building social connection is just so important. And especially for women, I think building social connection with other women. Is very uplifting and very important, especially if they're the ones cheering you on. Like I believe in you. We all want that. We all want someone to say, "I believe in you." Can go after it, right? Like those are the people we want to hang out with. Absolutely, feels feels good. So I love it. Um, I have seven ingredients. I'm at number five. If we're if we're uh, keeping track at home. <laughs> The number five is so interesting because it's probably one of the hardest ones for a lot of us. And it's letting go of unnecessary drama. Mm -hmm. It's this like, just let it go. Not my circus, not my monkeys, like whatever you want to say. It's just, you know, bless and release all the things. I mean, there's so many sayings for this kind of idea because everyone's trying to like remind themselves that they have to do it. But uh, it's really just trying to figure that out. So you can look at the silver lining. Right. We talked about that a little bit. Like, what's the silver lining? What is this trying to teach me? Like, this thing happened. What is the lesson? Uh, There's this practice called Mushin Notion, and it's a Japanese practice. It's it's on my my website, too. So if you just type in Mushin, M-U-S-H-I-N, N-O-S-H-I-N. You can find that blog and read all about it. But it's this practice of, like, letting go. It's fascinating, Mm -hmm. like, from a totally different culture and different perspective. Um, You can remove yourself from toxic situations and toxic uh, relationships. Now, I say that to people, and they're like, well, but it's my spouse or it's my parent or it's my best (laughs) friend. I can't remove myself from those people. Like, you, maybe you can do that because you're a cold-hearted, you know, person. But I can't remove myself. And this is what I say. Because, like all of us friends, I also have been involved in toxic relationships and continue to be because that's how it seems to be like no one is right. immune from this situation. but what I started doing uh, is reminding myself when I'm in these situations to lead with love yep. love is happiness <laughs> full stop so lead with love. So when I have to go talk to somebody who is going to tell me about their view on politics, that is not mine, or their view on the dark web or global warming or whatever, and I do not agree, it's not my job to change their mind. It's my job to lead with love. And I found that if I could really sit in that for a moment, like take a Mm -hmm. breather, it really helped frame my Um, mindset, which helped me frame the way that I show up in those relationships, because it's really all about the way we show up. We can't control anybody else. That's right. So that I felt has been really, really powerful. And, you know, just also letting go of this unnecessary drama can come from just taking a deep breath, meditating, spending time with people who make you happier. Let it go, right? Yeah. So fascinating. Uh, Man, I've been I've been in it and I get it. And man, does it feel hard when you're in it? But, you know, here yeah. we are. So, two more. Uh, the sixth is being kind to our bodies. It goes back a little bit to, like, you know, we should exercise and stuff. But this is more about how we care for our bodies so that, that sometimes the aches and pains, and this is what I hear from a lot of my um, community also kind of irritates us and makes us feel unhappy. Mm -hmm. My knee hurts, my this, my that, I gained weight, my back hurts, right? Like all this, like, how do we care for our bodies? Yeah. And uh, I find number one is sleep. It's my number one uh, core value. And also I feel like it's been so important for me and for so many people in my community, like when they can get enough sleep, it just changes your perspective and attitude. So sleep is number one, but also the other things are a well-balanced diet, drink a lot of water, skip alcohol for a bit, maybe take deep breaths, um, remind ourselves to smile, play, laugh, like that kind of stuff. Like just take care of our bodies. Yeah. Uh, and some days are better than others because I, I, I like a cocktail and, you know, I'm, you know, like we're all like in it. So right. to each their own, which is why there's so many things. So maybe I don't skip alcohol, but I drink extra water, I go to bed at night. You all, you get to pick whatever you want. That's you right. pick one of these, like, these are just ideas and examples. And you might have your own too, right? Mm-hmm. So this is just getting you started on your own recipe. Like we've all created
0: recipes. We can do whatever we want. Right. Well, and I think how your body feels is the indicator of what maybe you need to change or tweak, right? I mean, that's... Sure. Sort to the point. So if you're not having aches and pains and you feel like you're doing a pretty good job, maybe you are right. But if you're starting to have continuous chronic issues, then you need to look at, right. Start investigating the things, right. Is it water or sleep or diet or food, you know, allergies or whatnot. So absolutely. Yeah. That, you know, we have to listen to our bodies because that's going to help inform us, you know, as to what's going on there.
1: There's no question, your body knows. I mean, not only does your body hold trauma, right, but your body your body knows like, yeah, it just does. So like how do we take care of it so we can age gracefully? I don't know I'm that's the secret I have not cracked, but I like the idea of it, so we'll see. Yeah. Um, well, the seventh ingredient is making time for intentional margins. So I have a concept called intentional margins. And it's finding the harmony between our to-dos and our priorities. Mm-hmm. Because what I was finding when I was in law school and even practicing law and having kids and all of these things, I had a to-do list that was 17 miles long and had 278 things on it at all times. And I would get 274 things done and I'd beat myself up for the three things I didn't do. Yeah. we've all been there, right? Yep. Yeah, sucks. And I wasn't really building time for what I cared about, but I was checking the box. And what I found was that wasn't creating an intentional day, an intentional life, an intentional happiness, wasn't create, creating any fulfillment because I wasn't making time for my priorities. So if date night is a priority, or let me, let me step back, if my husband is a priority, yeah. where does date night fall on the calendar? Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. Maybe it's coffee time instead, right? We get to decide, make our own recipe intentional margins matters it's that buffer of time so i have a free printable on my website kdjefcoat.com, that has an intentional day you can print it it's free use mm-hmm. it you know figure out what it looks like for you it's not a planner it's not doesn't have times on it it's just how do you start your day but it could also be the way that you balance life and work and you know i like to ask people like what sets your hair on fire what are you doing right now that's so exciting mm-hmm. and can you do more of that so it's reflecting on what your wants and your needs are. It's setting aside, setting aside time for what matters. So if my, so my kids, I've got kids that go to uh, school still, and we do family meeting and we block that time on our calendar. We do it in the morning before they go to school because we set them up for success. We figure out if they need a lunch that day. We talk about how their day is going to go. We do family meeting. It's intentional. It's where we connect We say our gratitude. I watch them eat their vitamins because they're still at an age where they want to sneak them into their pockets and then never eat them. So we're trying to like do all of that, right? Mm -hmm. So that's intentional. Is my marriage a priority? How am I making, you know, what am I doing? What's the action so that my marriage is a priority, right? Like how is that shaking out? Is knitting a priority? Is it having coffee with one of my best friends a priority? Where does that time fit in?
0: Absolutely. It doesn't
1: have to be every day and like only doing priorities. We still have to go to the dentist, we pay our taxes. We've got to run children everywhere. We still got to take out the trash. But it's finding moments where we can then create this priority so that we can live in the margins. Mm-hmm. So we're, we have our, so, if you think about it like this, you open a book, right? So you open a book, it's fully justified. You have all the words. You have the margins on the edge. But if all of a sudden you turn the page and there's like four lines that creep out into the margin, or maybe it's not fully justified, or the paragraphs aren't spaced correctly, it starts to feel random. Randomness causes overwhelm. It starts to feel chaotic. And yeah. when our to-do list, those words, start to bleed into our margins, we don't feel balanced. Yeah. Right? So that's that's sure. the concept. Like, how do we create, you know, some buffer so we get right. to have live in our priorities in the margins. doesn't mean we don't do our to-do list and all the things we have to do. Of course we do.
0: Right. Well, yeah. And so I talk about some very similar concepts regularly, but really, you know, what I say to people is schedule in your priorities, like you're talking about first. So for me, I know not only because of the science to build social bonds, but that it's important and necessary in my life, right? I need the time with girlfriends, my husband, all these things. So I schedule them in. I'm intentional during the beginning of the week. Oh, when might I have time that I can plan on penciling this in? So I say to people, don't schedule your work first. I mean, I know there's seasons where sometimes we have to do that, but when we, when we have a little more flexibility, and I think we all have some, whether it's the weekend or your evenings schedule in the things that are important to you at the beginning of your week or the beginning of your month, because if we wait we're being reactive instead of proactive with our schedule. And the most important thing we have, the most valuable thing is time. We get to decide how we spend that time. And so to your point, these intentionalities into our week, how do we want to spend that very valuable time that we have when we aren't doing you know, either our work or like you said, an obligation of taking the kids somewhere. And often I think we overschedule more in a day that can fit. And I say, one of the reasons that we have a, this feeling of busyness and anxiety is because we're fitting in more than a day than was ever meant to be in one day. And we have to assess that and we have to take responsibility for it and slowly start maybe paring down one thing that we could carpool with someone else so that maybe that night we can get other things done when someone else picks our kid up and vice versa. And so I think that's important too, to take responsibility for our time. And if it's not working for us or for that season, Modify it so that we are spending the time with the people and doing the things that we love. And I think that's so important.
1: No question. That's exactly the way it is. You know, we don't want to get to the end of our life and be like, well, I checked all my boxes. We'll be like, I had social connection. I, you know, made a meaningful impact. I left a legacy, you know, all those things.
0: Absolutely. So. And that's what they talked about, right? The five regrets of the dying. It's those things. It's the things people regret if they didn't do. It was spending more time with people they cared about. It was doing, you know, having more impact in the world. It was saying their truth, right? You know, so it's it's these things that we have the opportunity now to do these things without getting to the end and going, I wish I'd done it different. You know, and so that's what's so exciting right. to me is we get to keep changing course, right? Just course correcting, pivoting just slightly to keep you know, adding more of this joy and this happiness and fulfillment into our lives. And I think that's just so exciting to me, at least. Mm -hmm. It really is. So let me, let me just tell you, there was so much there. Oh my gosh, that you shared that. Of course, I wanted to be like, hold on, I have so much I can say there. But I was like, okay, let's get through them since there was seven. But so many things, for instance, a lot of the things with the happiness science actually very much tie in with the things that tell us that people that live the longest longevity has a lot to do with these same concepts or many of them. So for instance, people that have deep connection, deep relationships as we get older are typically, that's an indicator of the people that live the longest. Typically it's not just your diet and exercise. Of course, those are important, but it's deep connections. And then that purpose, right? Both of those things are so important when they studied longevity in people. It's those things. So I think if people are thinking like happiness, I don't even have time to think about that. This is also about how do we live purposeful, fulfilling lives into old age. It's by making sure that we are making time for deep, meaningful relationships with someone, at least a person or two, and that we do yeah. have purpose in our life. Whether that's if you're retired or whether you're working still in the main part of your career. And so to me, I think it's so important. And when you mentioned the um, is it Mission Ocean? Oshan, yeah,
1: Hush, yeah well, it's it's kind of hard to say, but it's Mushin no Shin. Oh, no Shin,
0: got it. Well, it was no me, Shin. Okay, got it. What well, was reminding me of also the Japanese concept of Ikigai, which obviously is very tied, right, to purpose and people's reason for being, reason for getting up in the morning. And I thought that was, uh, you know, I had written that down earlier as you were talking about happiness and just that fulfillment and purpose. And I think they have such a lovely idea of the three legs of the stool and the different parts of their life Mm -hmm. and how they, their, their culture, they are raised from a young age to understand that concept. And I think at least in our country, right, we're both in the U.S., we, that was not, we weren't raised to have this concept that's so deeply ingrained culturally, I don't believe from the time we're little. There's so many other concepts I think that kind of get, get put in there, you know, do a good job and all these other things. And so I think it's interesting that, you know, our culture sense seems to struggle a bit more with this happiness and this fulfillment. Just culturally, I think, is partly the reason.
1: Absolutely. There's no, there's no doubt, which is why, you know, the stuff that you do and the stuff that a lot of these happiness scientists do is so important. in you know, reframing the way that we show up in the world. Because whether it's happiness or kindness, there is a ripple effect. And You can ripple affect your small community, but that, you know, that little ripple just keeps getting bigger.
0: Mm -hmm. So it's it's incredible. Is there any other last thing that you just want to share with us? Any other little tidbits we didn't already go over about happiness or kindness?
1: I think the last thing that I would share is that it's our responsibility to find happiness wherever we can. And that does not decrease our compassion. For what's happening in the world around us, Mm -hmm. so we—it's our responsibility to find happiness, even when the world feels like a dumpster fire. There's salmon and war and global warming, and maybe your best friend, you know, broke her big toe, and that's really sad. Like it could be lots of things, right? Lots of bad things can be happening around us, but that does not decrease our empathy and our compassion for Mm -hmm. them. If we also want to find happiness it's infinite we get to have both we don't you know it's not a well I can't be happy
0: because this bad thing like that's just not true oh you're so right and I'm glad you brought that up because I have a note somewhere of a podcast that I had written down so many notes from this podcast but it was a rabbi talking and I'm actually Christian but you know of course I like learning about lots of faiths and listening to other just you know Uh, thought leaders or religious people about their perspectives and he said something really amazing but it was very it was aligned with what you just said so I'm I'm gonna find it and see if there's like a piece to pull out to share but it was that same thing like so many people think oh how can I be happy how can I feel joyful when this war is going on when the cost of living when now we just had this horrifying earthquake right and all these people have lost their lives and have lost their homes I mean there's a lot of hard stuff but that's sadly been true of all of history. There's always conflict going on. There's always these things. And so he talks about how can we still find happiness and why we should even in the midst of these things. So I'm glad you brought that up because I think a lot of us want to hold that like on this pedestal that all the conflict and the trauma and the external stuff and say like, well then that I can't, I don't deserve to be happy then. And that's not true because how do we make the most impact? It's by showing up in the world and serving and having enthusiasm about something and going out and like you said, just being kind to other people, showing it's love and action. Which, like you said, love is happiness. So if we can't get to this place where we're serving and we're being kind to people and we're we're taking action in love, well, if we're always going to say woe is me, we're not going to show up in that way. So I think it is important to nurture our happiness, nurture our joy, and nurture nurture our service. Um, heart, I think, you know, our heart of, for how we show up in love. Yep, absolutely. Oh, so good. All right, Katie. So tell us, how can people connect with you? Um, you know, you shared your website before, but tell us again, your website, tell us the name of your podcast again, or any other ways people can connect with you online.
1: Yeah, my podcast is on every platform you can think of, plus on Amazon Alexa Flash briefings. It's called Everyday Happiness, Finding Harmony and Bliss. I also am becoming obsessed with my bi-monthly email. I don't know what it is. I'm not really an email person because I feel like we get too much email. So I have made it like a mission this year to send like really good stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's been really, really fun. And people are responding, like just hitting reply. And I'm replying back and having amazing conversations. So I am... focusing a lot on my email right now and you can subscribe at katiejeffcoat.com and it's just been I don't know it's been really fun and all the freebies and all the blogs it's all there it's all free uh everything is free I don't sell a course I don't sell on my podcast it's all free and all available to you uh if that is something
0: that you're interested in. Oh, I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing so many golden nuggets about happiness and how we can really step into more of this into our everyday lives. I loved it so much. And I know our audience will as well. So thank you. Before I wrap up, I had mentioned the rabbi and sort of how that tied to this conversation. So I wanted to just share that real quick. The rabbi is Rabbi David Aaron. And when he was asked, how can I feel good when so much bad is going on in the world? His response was, you can feel good that you are doing some good in the world. And so if we show up much like I was talking about to be of service, to show up in love and action, that gratitude, the appreciation and actually serving others, this is how we can actually still feel good, have some happiness because we are being part of the solution. We are being part of doing good in the world. And so I just wanted to share that tidbit with you before we wrap up. And I hope until next time you have an amazing week and that you can apply some of the happiness science that Katie shared today in your own lives to increase your happiness. Thanks again for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, we would love it if you could leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts so that more people can discover the show and connect to our community.